Hello, listener, listeners, plural. I'm not sure, but either way, welcome to the CGC podcast. Drew, my man, for the first real emphasis on real time ever since we totally have not recorded any episodes or intros before. Say hello to our lovely guests, please. Hello, nerds and future nerds. Ron, I have a question for you and the audience right off the bat. If you podcast on the internet, but there's no one to listen, did you actually podcast? Well, I would say that there are recordings done, so I would say yes. However, no one's ever actually answered the tree falls question, okay? It's not meant to be answered. Listen, man. All I'm saying is there's actual proof that something went down here. Until I delete it all. Oh, my God, dude. If we have no listeners, then our podcast has no meaning. All right, get back on track. Listen, all right, I'll fine, I'll get back on track. We are your hosts, Ron Jennings and Andrew Cullen, here to start you off on our inaugural journey through our favorite fantasy novels and series of all time. So to start us off, we did some thinking. We wanted to get our feet wet in the world of podcasting, and we wanted to start it out the right way. So to do that, we asked ourselves, what is a super familiar well-regarded fantasy series that people would want to listen to a podcast about and one that totally hasn't been done before no way like no shot as you all are maybe able to tell from the title of this episode we decided on the timeless classic the harry potter series in particular this episode is going to cover chapters one through five of the first book harry potter and the sorcerer's stone as we do our coverage of this book series and all future book series we are going to be doing a deep, and Drew, please tell me how deep it's going to be. Stones deep, Ron. Stones deep dive into the series itself, exploring the universe within the books, flipping through the pages, and identifying themes presented across all of its individual passages. A quick warning to all our listeners. Try as we might, sometimes we can't hold our tongues, and we may dive into spoiler territory as much as we would like to avoid it. And if we can't avoid it, I am going to immediately blame J.K. Rowling, the amazing author of this series, for writing so much good foreshadowing because I immediately want to talk about everything that is going to happen instead of what is happening. Good job, Drew. You took Chris Carter's famous advice in having a fall guy. We got a fall guy, and it's the lady herself. (laughs) She has been falling a lot recently, so we'll just throw her under the bus on this one too. Oh, big yikes, but you're not wrong. I like to think we're good at avoiding this stuff, but just note that it can happen. We don't do it on purpose. Please proceed with caution. If you are a newer reader or you haven't really finished the series, you're just picking up the series for the first time, and you don't want to get spoiled by anybody, uh, and you want to catch up on the books instead, please go ahead and do so by all means. We will be here ready for you right when you come back. Another piece of our pod that we would like to do for you guys is... We would like to identify key themes from our sections that we will be reading. You know, things you should kind of keep an eye out for as you read the respective section. And in a lot of cases, stuff to look out for in the future while you're continuing through the books, just because a lot of these themes aren't stagnant. They continue throughout the rest of the series and you will see them time and time again. We're going to go age before beauty here. Drew, if you could identify one central theme in these five chapters that we're going to be covering today, which one would you pick? 
Yeah, hopping right back into a book that I haven't read since I was a kid. Uh, honestly, since it first came out, I was so excited to get back into it, especially with the with these goggles of analysis on. Since this was the whole reason I was rereading it was to talk about it. Um, the first one that I came up with for this section was shattering the glass, both metaphorically and literally, around your worldview. That's why we see the glass shattered around the snake at the zoo. Harry's world is crumbling around him. Everything he thought he knew is a tenth of the truth. And just like you were saying, these themes pop up through the rest of the series. Uh, this is a re-recording. We have significantly upgraded our audio equipment since the first time we were filming this. It was it was atrocious. So we decided to go back and re-record this. So we're actually on the Chamber of Secrets first few chapters right now. And I could have said the exact same thing about the first three chapters there, that the theme was shattering the worldview yet again for Harry. So it's great to pick up on these themes and really follow them through the series. Drew, I feel like you did really well in English class, so I'm going to give you a nice well said. And this will be a little bit of a blast from your past here. I might actually copy off some of the things that you pointed out on when you were talking about your key theme, when I talk about my key theme. And in my eyes, the key theme in this section is the magic of self-discovery and coming to grips with who you are as a person. A little more in depth on that. So Harry Potter, HP, well, we start the series, we see him as a kid who's very much ignored, mistreated. He's a ghost in his own house. Uh, from there, he's still gonna, he's gonna go to a low quality public high school and with how he's grown up and the abuse that he takes, his outlook in life looks pretty bleak. We're being completely honest here. It looks like he would not have a lot of success and happiness in his future if this was the path that he was going to take. However, his life gets flipped, turned upside down when he starts receiving these letters from no one and this absolute titan of a man named Ruby's Hagrid comes to his rescue and he reveals his true identity as a wizard set to study at Hogwarts. Keep in mind, this dude, he's never really been unique. He's just had weird stuff happen to him throughout his life. Uh, Regrowing hair when he gets a god-awful haircut. Uh, a sweater that keeps shrinking. That's an absolute disgusting sweater that he wouldn't want to wear. Like All these miscellaneous things just keep happening to him. As you'd expect, he eventually learns to accept his true identity, and he blossoms with it, but... For right now, what we're focusing on, he has a pretty big shakeup in his life and it involves a lot of coming to terms with maybe I am special, maybe I am unique, things like that. So it's a, definitely a big adjustment for this kid. Yeah, Ron, and I remember that we both did well in English class because back then it was all about teamwork, okay? It's, it's not about being an individual in high school. It's about seeing how far you can get with your friends. We are a clear example of teamwork making the dream work. Look at us now, man. We're trying to grow this podcast from the ground up. All right, and now that we've gotten everyone warmed up here, why don't we just jump right in Chapter 1, Drew, shall we? Uh, make sure you grab hold of your snowy owl, double-check the glass in front of you, and please, for the love of God, just grab the letters out of the air instead of trying to scoop them off the ground. It's time to begin the story of The Boy Who Lived. Let's get into it. Drew, we're going on a trip, man. You got your bags packed? You ready? Your passport? All your denim, scar that looks like the map of the London Underground, so we don't get lost. You got everything. Hey, man, we're going back. We're traveling. We're going across the pond and back in time, man. You so. probably just ruined the, the costume art of every muggle in this world for me. Like, I was picturing normal, modern clothes, and now just everyone's going to be wearing denim. Just everyone. Oh, man. If you're not wearing yeah, wizard robes, denim. <laughs> My God, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is really how everybody dressed in England during like the 80s, but I know from the research I've done naturally because I'm only 26, I don't know that much. But 
from looking at some history here, a lot of denim was going on and we're seeing, uh, see all the jerseys and Canadian tuxedos instead of any like fancy garb. So it's a great perspective for you. Something to keep in mind when you realize they're beating on our poor pal, Harry Potter here. Let's get into it. Chapter one, the boy who lived. All right. So we've arrived in early 1980s, London, England area. How are your legs holding up, Drew? Time travel could be a little wonky. We went across the sea, went back in time about 30 some odd years, probably closer to 40 now. It's crazy. We are at number four, Privet Drive, Little Whinging, Surrey, jolly old England. And we begin with an intro to the Dursley family. And we learn that these guys are terrible. They are not great. They're just, they think they're perfectly normal. Um, well, they are perfectly normal. And they're just so very uppity and they don't want anything out of the ordinary, even coming close to their like picture perfect picket fence kind of lives here. Like you see Dur Vernon in the morning, he's like, he's got his most boring tie on ready to go to work, not trying to be flashy, just trying to like sell his freaking drills at Grunnings every day. Petunia's got her long giraffe neck where she's looking into everybody's business because she's just a gossip. She's got nothing better to do. Little Dudley, he's already a little terror. He's not even eating his cereal, his fat ass. He's just throwing cereal at the walls and <laughs> making a big mess. And we follow Vernon out the door to work. And one of the first things that he sees is this cat at the end of the street. And it's staring at a map just because it looks like it's reading a map, but cats don't read maps as far as I know, right? Am I right here? Like, I mean, cats don't read. not normal cats. Oh, very true. Not normal cats. Dude just puts it out of his mind. He goes about the day. Um, he sees people in weird clothes, but he like can't believe that it's like older people and young people. He's ready to like vilify all these young kids in like crazy outfits, and then he sees like people with him. He's like, "Hold on, that's not okay. What's going on here?" This I'm is picturing so like San Diego Comic Con, but like this dude had no idea it was happening. <laughs> he's just walking to work normally, and there's just Wolverines and Supermans all over the place, and he's very confused. Dude, you're right. Like when I was when I was out here for Comic Con, um, I was. It was like, well, I wasn't here for Comic-Con. I was around at the same time as Comic-Con. I was taking an Uber back to the airport to go home, and we're at a stoplight, and who crosses the street in front of me but Darth Vader and a herd of stormtroopers, man. Exactly. It's crazy. It's a whole different universe. Man. Now just it's imagine Darth Vader talking to a bunch of other Darth Vaders about how excited he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I can't even imagine that, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> but Comic-Con's right. not actually happening. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You know, maybe I side with Vernon out here. Vernon's not a bad guy. Dursley's did nothing wrong. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> oh my God. You're killing me, man. You're killing me. Sorry. I'm very interested in what people think of your perspective on this. So going forward, Vernon has like a normal day at work. He goes around and he hears mention of the Potters. And this is definitely unique for him because his wife's sister's last name is Potter. And there's a young boy, Harry Potter his nephew. But of course, Vernon's a terrible family member and he can't remember what the kid's last name is. He thinks it's Harry, but he doesn't know. Pretty garbage. He just hears like all kinds of stuff being talked about. He hears like mentions of this guy, you know who, like he doesn't know who. Um, talk of muggles. There is a quote in the passage where it actually says he was rattled. And that was like so funny to me. This dude is just like so upset that they're talking about all this stuff that he just doesn't know what it is. And then he just goes about the rest of his day after a strange man hugs him around the waist after he bumps into him, which is just hilarious. And he's like, oh, sorry, 
sorry. And then like this little dude is like, oh, don't be sorry. It's great. You know who is gone. And he just like throws his arm around him and then he leaves. That was the best part for me was it wasn't a normal sized man. Like this is a very short person. What was he like four feet tall? It said. Oh my God. He was just some little dude. And he was just so happy. I just, per, um, I'm picturing Professor Litwick. I think it's Litwick. His like cousin. This is his oh, cousin that lives out near Private Drive. And he's just, he's hyped. Don't make fun of Flitwick, dude. He's a dueling champion. Did I say I was making fun of Flitwick? Oh, He's one of my point. favorite professors. Oh, my God. Naturally. Raymond Clawhouse over here. Of course. <laughs> we'll get to that eventually. So we keep on going. Vernon gets home from a day at work. He's definitely, like, still a little spooked. But, like, things are a little bit from his mind. But you can tell it's definitely still affecting him. And they're going on the news, and there's just all these weird reports. Like, owls are everywhere shooting stars like things like that like stuff that you don't see on a regular basis and he starts asking petunia about all this where he's like what's your sister's son's name what does he call himself the common name harry or something like that and then he realizes oh geez they might have been talking about some people that relate to me but harry potter sounds like a common name just like petunia said right there's a there's a chance that this isn't gonna affect him or anything like that it's just a one-off that he was just being crazy right nope Enter midnight. Before we go into this, I just want to bring this up that our boy Dumbledore is hella rude. He picks the worst times of day to meet people. We'll see later in Half-Blood Prince when he's going to get Harry from the Dursleys. He rolls in at like 11 o'clock at night on during the week. And it's like, people are trying to go to bed, dude. He's coming out here at midnight to meet everybody that he's going to be meeting that we'll be covering shortly. It's like, come on, man. Like, maybe pick a little bit better of a time here. So, I mean, you say hard. rude. I absolutely would not use the word rude for Dumbledore. Troll is is the, the best word to use for this man. First of all, he's the strongest person alive. No one can ever touch him. What does he do with all this power? Literally just trolls the entire world at every chance he gets. This is just oh, the first of a thousand points in these books where he just finds the nearest person and berates them. Oh, dude, just you wait until we get later in the series. There's probably a bunch of great Dumbledore dunks that you might have missed. Or like haven't seen in a while that it's they're gonna bring them back up again. They're so great. Oh yeah, just like the few I remember from the movies because I've seen those more recently than I've read the books. Yeah. Like when he um collapsed out with the phoenix, that's just the biggest troll. Like oh no, no one can teleport out of Hogwarts. We're gonna capture him right now. Like yeah, nope. just kidding. Oh, dude, the whole lead up and when we get to that book, the whole lead up is so great. He's like such a shit talker. It's so he is. funny. He is. It's hilarious. I think that's why he uh, likes Fred and George so much, too. Like he is. He loves their troll. Oh, yeah. He's he's a big fan of those twins. So we get to midnight and all of a sudden a mysterious figure pops up. The boy Dumbledore in crazy outfit huge high heel buckled boots and like all sorts of exotic colors like a very far cry from our pal jude law in the crimes of grindelwald who is in a vest and a button-up and tie yeah, totally different dumbledore here young dumbledore versus oh. old decrepit dumbledore young dumbledore still trying to still trying to make his suave way around the lady wizard with the witches i should say Oh, dude, Dumbledore doesn't like lady wizards. He likes sky wizards. Okay, well... Uh, he was into Grindelwald, dude. I mean... Another guy. Either way, he's still trying to make his way around. Young oh, Dumbledore. Man. Old Dumbledore grows the beard out. He's like, I'm done. I'm retired. Oh, no more. Definitely a little senile. Slightly senile Dumbledore. But you know what? He's still great. Still gotta love him. It looks like, straight up, this style looks like he just ripped open his most recent Stitch Fix box. 
if we could get one <laughs> this show somehow, if somebody were to think our show is interesting and give us some love for it, definitely could use some Stitch Fix sponsorship money because I'm really dumb and I always forget to return my box of stuff that I don't want. Very rarely do I have stuff that I don't want in it, but I always forget to return it and I just get charged for the whole thing. So mm, you got me. So Dumbledore gets out a certain device and I want to know what you call it, Drew. I, I have literally, I've been watching Harry Potter theories and, and fan stuff because I'm super big into fan theories for even stuff that I haven't watched. So that's really the only thing that's kept me in the Harry Potter community since the last movie came out. But I have never heard the word put outer. I don't remember it ever being in the book. I don't remember anyone when I was a kid saying it. I don't remember it being in any theory. It has always been delimited. When I read this, I literally read it as Deluminator. And then I went back and I'm like, wait, that's not what it said. So now I'm just very confused. <laughs> oh, just you wait. This has sparked a lot of ire and debate of what this should really be called. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different sides to it. I think you got to stick with the put-outer. If you call it the put-outer the first couple times it's mentioned, it's the put-outer going forward it's a dumb name sorry you got it wrong jk but you can't retcon it and act like you never saw it it is a very stupid name but like <laughs> that's what's in the book i have the official book sitting right oh, in front of me and it clearly says 12 times he clicked the put outer so i mean that's what the name's supposed to be i guess so i can't call it the deluminator anymore that's it it's the put outer and you know what it the name actually works because it says what it does you'd never be curious of what this thing does oh yeah. what is the outer do it puts out the lights there you go greatest wizard of his time creates one of the coolest craziest magical inventions of all time and then calls it the put outer he's just a big yeah. troll that's it same guy that makes the password to his office and different candies you gotta <laughs> love it there is a bunch of theories about the put outer and two other magical artifacts throughout the world but i think that's a discussion for a later day that we'll have to discuss but dumbledore does create three magical artifacts that are very similar to some deathly hollow type activities that he himself created so once we get to the other two we'll talk about that oh that's interesting man i'm very excited to hear what those are you're very in touch with the fan theories and i appreciate your little side quips here they definitely add a little bit of flavor that really yeah. is the only part that i remember at all is the theories i like put out I don't remember at all. There's so <laughs> rereading these five chapters it was like I was rereading for the first time. It was amazing. Oh, dude, that's awesome. So glad to hear it, man. Glad you're on this journey with me, man. I'm happy to be your conductor, guiding you through the pages from cross country. It's great. So we see Dumbledore roll up to this cat that's hanging out outside this map. Dumbledore actually says, My dear professor, I've never seen a cat sit so stiffly. And then bang cat turns into a person it's a lady it's professor mcgonagall in the house she's trying to be super serious about all the stuff that's going on because like there's all these celebrations going on but there is a statute of secrecy that they're trying to maintain so that the muggles or non-magic folk don't discover their existence so trying to be super safe with this she wants to keep everything down keep everything on the low she wants to get all the background and then you got Dumbledore here pulling some candy out of his pocket he's just like pulling the pieces apart and she's like shooting all these things and I'm like oh Dumbledore what actually happened all these people People are going to get us caught. You're like, oh, you want a lemon drop? It's just so funny to me. While you bring up the whole, this is supposed to be a secret thing. The fact that uh, the muggles didn't find out that wizards were a thing on this day, the day that uh, you know who tried to kill Harry, is if you don't find out that wizards are a thing on this day with all of this stuff happening, you're never going to find out. Like the fact that no muggle found out that wizards were, they're out shooting fireworks in the streets out of their fingers. Come on. 
they're making it super obvious like you were saying unless there's some kind of cosplay event which not sure if that was super popular in england in the 1980s in, in the um, 80s yeah probably not yeah you're seeing like a bunch of people in robes just running around like they're going larping or something like that and yeah the like, D fans all came out of their basement at the same time shout out oh, to D I love the game oh dude yo we should play we should get on roll 20 or nat 20 whatever the site is or something sponsored by nat 20 yeah so we've got mcg she's going around really we're getting some background on who sorry did you say mcg mcg professor mcg you professor could put McGonagall. some respect on her name mcg oh, that's professor mcgonagall oh my god all right fine professor mcgonagall she's very come on man it's fun we're all having a good time here but yeah just al dumby over here oh my god stop taking the show doc so seriously man come on i'm trying I'm to short reading the show doc Oh my god, you're killing me. You're <laughs> I just me. I was actually offended. And that's your house leader, Mick G. <laughs> oh my god. Love me some Professor McGonagall. She's great. She's phenomenal. And we lose so much of her in the movies. I hate you, David. Yates. I mean I hate you so we much. do, but honestly, the actress did such an amazing job that the movies made me love her more than the books did. Because I did have no attachment to Gryffindor when I was reading the books. So it's like I didn't have any attachment to her either. Excellent. Oh, dude, just you. You're going to get some really good McGonagall moments as we go through the book. I'm very excited for you to relive all of these. It's going to be so great. So she's trying to get all the down low here. And we're talking about we're getting a lot of background on he who must not be named and people being so afraid to say his name. Like nobody says Lord Voldemort except for Dumbledore. He just says it super freely because he just doesn't care. You can't have fear of the name. Then you have fear of the thing itself or there's a quote around that somewhere. I don't remember who says that. Honestly, I'm kind of a bummer that I don't remember who says that. I think it might be like Hermione or Professor Dumbledore, someone like that. Someone intelligent. In yeah, one, of the, one of the smart people. Yeah, one of the, I think you could count the amount of smart people on one hand in this series, which is kind of a bummer. I you love really it. You really can. You really can. Like, dumb. even Luna's not, like, one of the smart people, quote, unquote. Oh, Luna's a gem, dude. Don't make fun of Luna. I'm Luna not making fun Luna's my favorite character. Oh, man. We'll get to her. I can't wait for Order of the Phoenix. I can't wait. I'm very excited for Order of the Phoenix. I forget how late she appears. Like, I, to me, she's one of the crew. Like, she's always been one of the crew. But I forget that she doesn't even show up until the fifth book. Yeah, right? They just bring her right in and- Ivana Lynch does an awesome job of portraying her in the movies. And she does. just like love her from the start. She does probably one of the best acting jobs in that entire movie. Absolutely. In like the entire movie series. She does a great job. Anyway, we got to go back to chapter one here. We're going on tangents here. Saw that so, <laughs> so we see some interesting quotes in the chat between Minerva and Albus Dumbledore here. McGonagall has pretty big compliments for Albus Dumbledore when they're discussing Lord Voldemort's power. And we get... Albus Dumbledore here saying that Voldemort had powers that I will never have. And McGonagall responds, only because you're too, well, noble to use them, which is something you should definitely keep in mind. As we get to later in the book, your perspective might change on that a little bit um, we, as we start to learn more of Professor Dumbledore's past and things of that nature. And Dumbledore is just an icon. He's super flattered by this little exchange. He said, it's lucky it's dark. I've never, haven't blushed so hard since Madame Pomfrey told me that she liked my earmuffs. And that's just fantastic. Dude is amazing. And then as we keep going through here, we start learning more and more about the story of William James Potter and how they died on that night. And our boy Harry was the only survivor of the attack. Nobody knows how or why. Also, for those of you keeping score at home, 1-0 good guys right now. Scoreboard. I mean, is it? Or is it like a million to one bad guys? Because like Voldemort killed a ton of people before he failed. 
listen, I think he lost all credibility when a wee child stopped him. A wee child and his family. I don't disagree, but he still killed so many people. Like, literally just in that house, He's it's bad guys two to one. Oh, no, I don't see it that way. I think Harry gets the last laugh. Harry wins the series. Okay. This is a wild card round. Somehow he plays Voldy again as we keep going on through the tourney. We'll see how that goes, though. (laughs) So then Dumbledore also acknowledges when McGonagall is like, how did little Harry Potter survive when nobody else in that household did? Nobody else in general ever has. Just the curse that was used, nobody survived it. And Dumbledore says, oh, we may never know, but we know Dumbledore knows what's going on. He's a little senile, but he knows what's good. 100%. Um, He knows exactly what happened. Yeah, we're going to get to that a little bit later just because... A lot needs to unravel before we could truly understand why our boy Harry Potter survived the killing curse. And why Dumbledore feels like that's something he can't share. Exactly. And it takes Harry Potter a long time of being in this world before he actually learns anything, which is a huge bummer and definitely not fair to the kid. But Dumbledore has his reasons, and we will discuss that a little bit more. That'll be more of a moral discussion probably a little later on in the series, I would say. Absolutely. Yep. So we keep on going through here. Professor McGonagall has seen what the Dursleys have been like all day. And she is like, you are not leaving this child here. That is not okay. And then Dumbledore is like, oh, we've got to leave him here. And we find out why a little bit later too, in order to seal the Fidelius charm, which we'll go into a little more detail on a little bit later. But know that that is a very powerful branch of magic that well ends up protecting Harry until he's considered an adult in the wizarding world. And it's a very interesting piece of magic that is very rare. So it'll be very cool to kind of go into that a little bit more. J.K. Rowling actually has like a very all-time, spe- you ever hear like saying, speak something into, it, into existence, like talk about what J.K. Rowling did right here. She said, oh, man, there will be books written about Harry Potter. I mean, check, a couple books, <laughs> no big deal. Every child in the world will know his name. Check. Back again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who's never heard of this book series before. Yeah, especially our generation. Like, this is our fiction book. Everyone knows who Harry Potter is. Oh, 100%. For real. Everybody, everybody knows. If you um, go up and ask a random 25 year old what Hogwarts house they're in, they're going to have an answer. Like, that's not normal. <laughs> Oh yeah, all these people bet on Pottermore. They take it. They've taken some kind of quiz on BuzzFeed or something like that. That gave them their answer, and then For they're sure. like, "Oh, here we go. That is my culture trait. That is my personality trait." But yeah, she really spoke that into into existence. And when she's going through this back and forth with Dumbledore, we hear like a really loud rumbling, and then we look up at the sky, and there's Hagrid, Rubius Hagrid, who is an absolute unit of a man, a unit of all to end all units, man. He's giant guy he's got hands the size of dustbins i think they say like jk quotes that he has feet the size of baby dolphins or something like that which is like very interesting but okay definitely gives me an idea these are pretty large feet weird analogy but i'll take it yeah exactly and haggard arrives on a flying motorcycle that belongs to none other than drew i remember you were surprised to see this again serious black i was blown away like that they don't touch upon that in the movies at all and i don't think we ever explain in the books later from what i remember either on how he ended up with this motorcycle why he has it i'm now picturing before sirius went to go avenge the potters like giving the motorcycle to hagrid which is weird crazy it just doesn't seem to make sense timeline wise but maybe he gave it to him years ago because him and hagrid were so tight we will actually cover that later so just you wait you will oh. get the all the answers that you want drew 
good because I, I don't remember it all so that's good don't you worry so Hagrid's all bent out of shape because he doesn't want to give Harry to the muggles and I mean it's like he knew it was going to go down so good on you Hagrid but unfortunately we got to give him to the muggles they go into detail about Harry's trademark lightning bolt scar and <laughs> Dumbledore another quip of all time here talking about how scars come in handy and he has a scar on his knee that looks like the map of the entire London underground. So don't know what he was doing to get scratched in that manner, but you know, it's useful. I, I can't him. wait till that's explained in Fantastic Beasts. If it's not, I'll be upset. Oh, it's an all-time Easter egg. Fans would absolutely love that. We need to petition. Oh, fucking David Yates. We need to petition him. David! <laughs> you have five movies that are all turning out to be fantastic. Throw this in there somewhere. Oh my god. Oh, he hurts my soul for what he did to the latter half of the series, but we'll get into that another time. Yeah, I, I know we disagree on that too, so we'll talk about that oh, once we get to those hard di- Very much a disagree on that. We will get into that much later as we talk about the movies a little bit more also could we keep in mind that i did some research here and the temperature in england in october around nighttime is like 40 degrees they just wrapped up this little child and just left him on a doorstep for probably about like seven hours just casual just let him hang out okay but he and- also just survived a killing curse that's killed half of the wizarding world so like superman baby or not he's probably gonna be fine Listen, man, like special magic protected him from Voldemort, not like hypothermia. Yeah, but Dumbledore is just kind of flipping a coin, like whatever. Maybe he protects him from hypothermia, too. Dumbledore is such a nut job, man. <laughs> he's so great, but he's so crazy. He's uh, insane. I really like I really like to think that everything works out by sheer accident and not because Dumbledore planned all this stuff ahead. Like he's... that's definitely that's not the case, but it would be so funny if that's like really how it ended up going. Just the luckiest man alive. I could totally see it. Oh my God, it's so funny. And then we see Harry left behind. Everybody's all bent out of shape. Hagrid's in tears naturally. We'll see him like that a lot as we read through the series more. He's very much a crier. McGee even has a couple little sniffles herself and she's super stoic. So, you know, that's pretty serious business there. And then we end on an absolute awesome quote here to Harry Potter, the boy who lived. Bang. That's our chapter name. Also, they saved it right to the very end. Good for them. It's like when that uh, Family Guy joke when they talk about like when they say the title of the movie in the movie and they go through like all those different scenarios and then he gets to he gets to like the last movie and for this I need to be Superman for the quest for peace and then Harry like, freaks out. He's like, oh, <laughs> they said it. A shout out to Cinemasins on YouTube too. Whenever they say the title of the movie in the movie, he says roll credits. <laughs> Real quick on chapter one, one random funny thing that I found. How Petunia is spying on all her neighbors with her giraffe neck. The fact that we later learned that her neighbors literally spy on her nonstop for Dumbledore is just hilarious to me. Oh yeah, that's so true. Our homie Miss Fig, she's more than just a cat lady. She is a hero. Yeah, just the biggest ironic moment of all time. Like, oh, you thought you were spying on me, but in Mother Russia, we spy on you. Yeah, wrong. (laughs) All right. One chapter, Andrew. How you feeling? You good? You ready to dive into some more? I'm good. Let's go on. Oh, sweet. Let's keep rolling. So chapter two, The Vanishing Glass. Ominous. We're going forward in time, which is back in time for us, around early 1990s England. We're 10 years later. The whole chapter starts. We hear a very rapid knock on a door just below the staircase. And we find out our pal Harry Potter doesn't have his own real bedroom. He sleeps in a very spider-infested closet under their staircase, which child abuse right there, first of all, not great. 
First of all, like, how's that child abuse? They lock him in a closet. Were you never locked in your bedroom as a child? No. Okay. Well, I was constantly. <laughs> oh my god. That's that's not child abuse. That's just oh you don't trust god. your child to not do stupid things. You're ridiculous, man. Spider infested. It's his job to clean up his own room. It's what three by three feet. Clean your nine square foot area. It's gonna take thirty Dude, seconds. The kid has to clean the entire house all the time. I'm sure he doesn't. Yeah, want so to he clean can't even clean his own cupboard. Stupid. Oh my god. That's Dude, just you're laziness. Killing you're killing me, man. Harry like, Potter, the boy who was lazy. Oh jeez. <laughs> there is an argument that Harry is super unhygienic, and we'll get to that eventually because we never get one. We get one mention of him bathing in the entire series, and that is not great. Is is that the part in Goblet of Fire where he's literally told you have to go take a bath? That is exactly the part. Somebody finally, like, I think maybe Cedric wasn't trying to help him out. He was trying to say, "Hey, dude, you smell really bad." That's it why wasn't. I it wasn't part of the quest. It was legit. Like, dude, you need a bath. Oh, it's got to be a miracle if anybody listens to this. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> Goodbye, viewer base. It was great having you. <laughs> um, all, all the Harry Potter haters out there are gonna be my fans. Follow me. <laughs> Oh sweet! Let's sign it up, man. Let's roll it through. We'll we'll just be like the heels of the Harry Potter podcast universe. Team Dursley, Team Dursley, Team Voldemort, Team Grindelwald, oh, Team Rita Skeeter. All right, let's let's slow down. We're not going that far. <laughs> oh no, Team Umbridge, maybe. No, Umbridge and Rita Skeeter are literally the two people I hate the most in the series. Do not blame me if they're awful people, and we'll get plenty of book to bash them coming up. Oh, I can't wait. Umbridge is just one of the most well-written villains of all time in any book. Hard to agree. Great writing here. And that's part of, like, as you see her go through these books, her writing just keeps getting better every time. It really does. It really does. Great. We're seeing growth in an actual book, not just from characters, but from, like, the actual writer herself, which is phenomenal. Another random tangent, just to praise J.K. Rowling a little bit more, she was actually worried after Harry Potter ended that she got famous because of the plot and not because of her writing. So she mm-hmm. went and wrote under a pen name for three uh, mystery, like, crime-solving books. And they were also London's bestsellers. And then she came out, she was like, okay, yeah, that was me. I was actually really scared that I wasn't a good writer and that y'all just like <laughs> Harry Potter too much. But, yeah, no, that was me too. We're like, nah, girl, like, you're an amazing writer. It's so funny. It's like when they unmasked the Scooby-Doo villains at the end. We're like, oh, this writer's really good. We need to see who's really behind this. And they just... Pull out the mask like J.K. Rowling. Yeah, so billionaires have self-esteem issues too. Don't let that weigh you down. Yeah, exactly. Everybody be great. That's one message we want to really portray on this podcast. Everybody be great, be awesome, enjoy your lives. Okay, so back into the book. We're fast-forwarded in time. We see a house that has no indication that another boy beside this really fat piece of garbage lives there. But lo and behold, we got our pal Harry Potter, and he lives in a cupboard under the stairs. He is woken up every morning by his aunt slamming on his door and telling him to do chores, which, not great. Uh, why does he have to cook breakfast for his cousin for his cousin's birthday? Not cool. Very not cool. Dursleys have not changed in 10 years, which is great. Absolutely fantastic. I would say they changed dramatically, but go on. Oh my god. Nah, they're still, they were bad people to start. They're always been bad people. They're not great. So we get to see a little look at Harry Potter, and he is malnourished. He has never seen the light of day, so he's got pasty white skin. They don't let him shower, so he has messy hair. He's just a disaster. His glasses are all band-aided up because his idiot cousin just keeps beating him up and breaking him. They don't let him shower, or he doesn't want to shower? That sounds like an all-time debate right there. You might be right. I think he just doesn't want to. Probably the way we're looking at things here. Dude just does not want to shower. So we keep on going here. Dude has been having... the. 
we thought it was bad being in quarantine for a little over a month. This dude has been in quarantine for 10 years. It is not great for our pal Harry Potter here. Uh, so he we gets see to hang it. out with Dursley's friends whenever he wants. They beat him up. <laughs> I mean, that's not quarantined. He's hanging out with bros. All right. So they hide him in there and then they take him out to beat him. It sounds like <laughs> a very like backwards nation. That All right. When you put it that way. Yeah, not great. It's like he's in the gladiator pits and they just beat on him. It's not cool. It's not cool, man. So we see that Harry also has, we also see a reference to his trademark bright green eyes that we will learn more about and how they relate to a variety of other very important characters as we continue to go through here. So it's Dudley's birthday. Harry's making him breakfast. Our dude can't even count and is very upset at how many presents he got because he wanted more presents because he remembered how many he got last year and he got less than last year, apparently. So now they're going to go out and buy him more presents, which sets a great message to your child. Definitely not what we want to see. He gets everything. It definitely has anything he could possibly want. He got literally computer games, racing bikes, a TV, VCR for his birthday. And Harry gets like used napkins for his birthday. Not great. The usual plan is the Dursleys take Dudley and one of his friends out to a big adventure. They take him either to an amusement park or out to get burgers and fries, things like that. But this time, unfortunately, there's no babysitter to take care of Harry. So our boy Harry gets some freedom here. He's having a pretty good day so far as he's going through, aside from Vernon screaming at him about flying motorcycles that he had a dream about, which we find out was actually real life. Uh, They're driving to the zoo and Vernon sees a motorcycle going by and he just complains about him like, oh, they're so loud. These people are so inconsiderate. And then Harry's just like, oh. I had a dream about a flying motorcycle once, and he like slams on the brakes and turns around. He's like, "Motorcycles don't fly!" Seems at him. I just thought that was really funny that he did that. Uh, we're at the zoo, and Harry has some very lucky occurrences here where he gets some ice cream that he actually gets to eat instead of just like watching everybody eat food because the Dursleys are terrible. And he gets to enjoy looking at some animals. And we see Harry bring up a bunch of that were pretty weird where. He got a really ugly sweater that his aunt was trying to put on him that just kept shrinking so it wouldn't fit him. He got a really bad haircut and his hair grew back the next day so he wouldn't have to go to school like that. And he just wonders how all those strange things had happened to him. And then we get an incidence of our boy Harry Thornberry with the power to talk to animals. He's chatting with the snake that is reminding him of himself all locked up behind a glass case and doesn't know where he's from and doesn't know anybody else. And then Dudley pushes Harry out of the way when he sees that the snake is awake and in retaliation by mistake, Harry makes the glass go away and we have a snake on the loose and we come back after the snake incident and Harry is locked in his cupboard for a long time. He thought that he had no way to control. The dude literally has nothing, and it's a bummer. Yeah, a couple things. The The snake thing was the biggest thing for me. Like, this snake is complete OG. Man's been mm-hmm. locked in this cage probably his whole life. Let's be honest. Most snakes are, most animals in a zoo are born and raised in the zoo, unless they're, like, literally safe. This snake was probably living in the zoo the entire time. Talks to the first human he's ever talked to in his life. Unless some random other person tongue came to this exact zoo and talked to the snake. I'm going to go ahead and say the snake talked to the first human in his life. This man, not confused why the glass disappeared, not confused why he's talking to a human. He's just like, nah, time to go to Brazil. Let's go. And just pieces out. <laughs> that snake is the coolest snake of all time. 
Oh yeah, dude. He he just did not care. He was like, "All right, I am free, and I'm gonna start making moves. I'm going somewhere that is not cold." London. I'm going to the tropics. He's going to be sipping pita coladas, having a great time. Freedom is the only priority. Any questions I have can be answered later if they're important. Uh, yep. Second random thing. Do you know where the Potters got their money? That's all, all the money that's in Gringotts Bank? I actually might. Funny throw, enough. Throw the, throw the guess out there. Okay, so my guess is I had heard something recently that the Potters' parents actually invented the sleek, easy hair potion that yep. allows wizards and witches to very much tame their hair, any kind of unruly hair. So, like, we see Hermione use it for the Yule Ball, and Harry should have used it because his hair is a mess, and it'll probably help hide the grease from him not showering. So, <laughs> Yes, exactly. So in this <laughs> chapter, I love that she threw in that Harry's hair grew back because um, that's actually not, supposedly, it's not a magic thing. It's actually a gene thing. Like, all male potters for the last at least four generations, their hair has grown ridiculously fast so that they had to literally create this gel to manage their unruly hair. And that's where they got all their family money from. Well, dude, thanks for bringing in that fact. That was a very interesting fact. I didn't know some of that pieces of it, but I did know that that's where the fortune initially came from. So that was really cool, man. Thanks for bringing that up. I don't know why. I always just assumed, like, oh, Lily and James were super popular and really strong so they must have just gotten rich on their own but they were super young so it never clicked like they couldn't have earned all that money by what they died at 22 24 not even like 21 they were yeah. dead so that was all family money yeah dude it's crazy potter's bored with a silver spoon in their mouth maybe him and malfoy aren't so different after all they're not at all i'll also discuss <laughs> that oh my god all right we will discuss that sounds good if james had raised harry and how the Dursley saved his life <laughs> you guys can't see but i'm like freaking out i've rolled my eyes into the back of my head so hard oh my god go go ahead go on with the uh, with the chapter all right we're, we're going to chapter three now oh ron hold up that's my pizza but, dude what do you mean we're in the middle of recording what, what what pizza yeah but i don't think you understand pizza versus recording it's obvious who wins see you later Dude, we're busy. We planned this time slot. We're busy right now. Where are you going, Drew? 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 What? Ugh. All right, guys. So Drew's out, and my mom said I'm not allowed to talk to strangers by myself. So I think we're going to have to cut this episode short. Uh, tune in next time for the second half and rousing conclusion of this episode of the C2C podcast presents Harry Potter. Take care.